Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? Joined by a big constituent of the Vortex Brain Trust here. We've got Scott Parks to my right, no Jimmy today. We've got Seth Toy and Rob Morell. These guys... I don't want to call them eggheads. Maybe uh, they're they're part of the smart kids crew at Vortex. I mean, uh, I'm just I'm just gonna say it. These guys are doing some really cool stuff, and exciting today because we finally, finally, finally get to talk about the Razer HD Gen Three Six to Thirty Six by Fifty Six. That's the if you're watching on YouTube, that's the big long bomber that you see uh, before Seth. Is this your, is this your rifle? What yeah. rifle is that? Yeah, it's an Impact Precision Action Bartland Barrel. Yeah, just a bunch of other goodies. Yeah, Banner stock, trigger. Very, nice. Trigger. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So, long name to this scope. Lots of features to mm-hmm. this scope. Yeah. But what's uh what's the why behind the scope? Why the heck did we make this just precision optical and mechanical instrument? Yeah, I mean, I think we we had a lot of uh, customers happy with the four and a half to twenty seven, but. We also knew that you know we can't get complacent with the products that we have out there, and we needed to come up with something that was was going to be better and was going to improve on some of the uh, the opportunities that the four and a half twenty seven left on uh, you know out there for us. So I think that you know that was it. We're always looking at products to improve in the lineup, and you know the the Razor Gen two had an awesome run. We'll continue to have it, but you know we felt like it was time to have something something out there that was a little bit better yet. So no easy task. When you're talking no. about the Gen two four and a half to twenty seven by fifty six, I mean that thing is it's a it's a great yeah, I mean it's amazing. Fantastic optic. Like I mean sometimes you guys make stuff and I'm like, Ew, great job everybody. But Yeah, good luck know. on the next one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh like you said, that's still a great scope, but this has got it's got a little more gas to it. Oh yeah. So let's let's go through some of the features. So we kind of gone through, you know, like I said, six to thirty six. So you got a six X on the low end, uh thirty six on the high end, you got a fifty six millimeter objective some other differences in there 34 millimeter tube that's the same that's the same yep as the gen 2 overall it's it's a little bit longer it's a little bit lighter and i think the uh you know the things that are improvements over the the gen 2 are just the overall optical quality uh and then the turrets are a big improvement and i say optical quality is a single thing but there's really a lot of things uh, on the optical performance that are improvements over the four and a half to 27. so i mean resolution contrast depth of field um are things that come to mind i mean what else field, you of, guys? View. field of view it's really a pleasure to get behind uh you've had the uh, the pleasure of shooting it for a bit on your rifle here as as have others you know internally here and yeah, I mean, why don't you tell us about what what you've liked about it? It's a gem. I um I've been running on on this rifle, but I've also been running it on um my Voodoo, uh, a twenty two. Mm-hmm. So I've been on here for you know other twenty two related discussions, and I haven't been able to bring that rifle in here because it's had the six thirty six on it for a while. But some things that make it like especially good for that are it has a 10-yard parallax. So your parallax adjustment goes from 10 yards to infinity. So when shooting kind of shorter distances for these rimfire matches, you can get down there. In addition to that, you can dry fire in your own house. You can find 10 yards in your house and just put a a target on the wall and have the ability to dry fire without needing like a DFAT device or some of the other things people use to to dry fire at home, which is a great feature. Yeah, get a little in-home practice. Yeah, yeah. 
The magring stiffness, I think, is improved, so it's it you know glides very nicely. That's uh, that's definitely something that you can tell like right off the yeah. bat. You're like, oh, that is super smooth for sure. A lot of the touch point details in this scope were a lot of the development effort, and I think we paid a lot of close attention to making sure that everything looked and felt really great. In addition to that, there is a ton of travel in this scope. The the Gen 2 Razor had had a great amount of travel too, but we're looking at over 36 mils of travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition to that, the Gen uh, 3... 120 MOA for you MOA yeah. folks out there. Sorry. Sorry for you MOA folks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of travel, and Just I think kidding. you know. I think the other thing that's a big improvement is you really get you know the entire range of travel on on the MRAD version, and almost the entire range of travel on the MOA version, mm-hmm. regardless of where you zero on the travel range. And really, it's only if you were to zero at the very very end of the range yeah. on the MOA version, you wouldn't get the full amount of travel. Um, four rotations. Four rotations. Yep. Now that this LTAC Plus turret has over the. Uh, previous just uh, LTAC turret. So mm-hmm. that was no small feat, uh, by the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say, that's not, that kind of sounds like magic. Yep. Because I'm like, yeah. I, it doesn't really, like, thinking with what I know about how these things work, which is a lot less than you guys. But I don't know. Like, I don't know how you do that. And a lot of limits were, were kind of pushing the envelope on manufacturing capability and um, trying to fit a huge amount of features into a package this size took some significant development effort. Yeah. Um, well, and the, I mean, the other thing too, I mean, you mentioned earlier, we didn't increase the diameter of the main tube at all. So it's still mm-hmm. a 34 millimeter main tube and we were able to get what, an extra three, extra three mils of, extra three mils of elevation. So, but well, and you've on, gone up in magnification. Exactly. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's, that's kind of a, a big thing to hit on, right? That shows the advancements in optic technology over the past, you know, 10 years. It's, it's been crazy, you know, with, with the industry being what it's been over the last 10 years, which is been nothing short of amazing you know the it has really driven technology you know i mean if you would have told me 10 years ago that we're developing a scope with a 24 degree apparent field of view 36 magnification and it's also going to have 36 mils of elevation and not (laughs) vignette at the edge of that elevation i wouldn't have believed you for a second yeah right and yet here we are it sits right in front of us right now correct I mean, it really is truly phenomenal. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab. This is gonna be like if you're watching on YouTube. This is gonna be like an unboxing video. I'll get this if I can figure out. But maybe hold that up a little bit so people can see that new LTEC Plus turret because a lot of cool stuff there, a lot of differences there, and a lot of uh, engineering right. in that bad boy. And Seth, I, to my understanding, you you played a, a large role in that, correct? Yeah, Scott. Scott and I, the whole team, but Scott and I, I think put a lot of work into making sure that we had the features that the customer really loved about the Gen 2 Razor turrets mm-hmm. and, and maintaining those uh, while also kind of making some of those crowd pleasers on top of that. So one of the big things about the Gen 2 Razor was that you only had three revolutions of travel mm-hmm. and you had that tactile and visible revolution indicator that pops out the side so you know what rev you're on in addition to the zero stop. It's great to know what rev you're on from that, that rev indicator. Um, and when, when are guys using that rev indicator? Is that like is it low light conditions, things like that, or it's just like a visual check, like they, it's a quick reference? Yeah, and anytime you're dialing, in this case, above 10 mils, it's just kind of nice to know Where what you're rev at. you're on. Mm-hmm. And then the tactile is really helpful for if you are in the dark or just in a place yeah. where you can't, it's really, you can't see the And it's there. also kind of a safety feature. For sure. You know, because if you're, if you're a rev off... 
10 mils, so 10 mils, yeah. and you're shooting at 1,000 yards. Yeah, your shot's not going where you're thinking You're going is. way over the berm. You have no idea where that bullet's going. Yeah. Not you ideal. Know. Not ideal. No. <laughs> Some would say undesirable. <laughs> Could be argued. Yeah. You know, so, so the rotation indicator is important. I don't think we've mentioned yet. It still does have the locking turrets. Mm, uh, yep. Maybe we did mention that. I just no, we didn't. No. Nope. Pop didn't up and down it. locking turret. The 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 top looks awfully different. The top is different. We got rid of the cap, mm-hmm. so there's no need for a cap any longer, and we only have one screw on the turrets. It's no longer a set screw though, which we can get into. I don't know how deep we want to get into that, but I think you would because I mean on the surface. It does look like a set screw. Like it almost looks, yeah. in some ways, similar to the to the Gen Two, uh, but just one. You know. Mm-hmm. But right. so I don't, and I don't know how much you guys can reveal as far as like how much it's operating or, yeah, or how it's, it's operating. But I think yeah. we can do a basic sure yeah um, description. So what it is, it's actually a it's actually a clamp now, like a locking so it's collar. A, it's like a locking yeah. collar. I forget how Seth and I came to the. <laughs> that one day but there are so many iterations that yeah. we went through it's like i mean just the floor down there is just littered with crumpled paper yeah. literally and yeah. figuratively of ideas that we had come up with to to figure out how to do this with one set so we literally a few of them also <laughs> they have tears on them yeah, yeah. well it was, a, it was a rough year you know we yeah. wore what? out an entire dry erase board just two straight the, through yeah straight through yeah. i believe you know and real quick <laughs> i totally interrupting scott but you know, you talked about like iterations after, after like how long has this product been in development for? I have been working on this since the second week that I started. Yeah, three and a half years ago. Wow, yeah. and I, th- I just think that's so cool and so important to point out because like these are these are big projects, like yeah. big projects, multi-year yeah projects. Yeah, I mean, we could have come out with it sooner, but it wouldn't be what we have in front of us here today. Right. I mean, I think we went through safe to say over probably ten turret design iterations i think what do we do three different optical designs on this before we landed on where we're at right now so it's like you know we think we got it and then we get a prototype together and like "Eh, that's not it just do it again you know um and i think that's something that we've really put a lot of um deliberate effort into and and really making sure that we're very very happy with where we end up as a final state for the product so um, but yeah, back to the turret, uh, Scott. Sorry. Yeah. No. So it's a. Uh, um, so we got. A, I know. I don't know if it's gonna be able to see in the camera, but you can see the screw is actually offset. So there's a clamping mechanism in here, and that screw is basically just tightening it up along the turret, uh, the actual turret screw itself. So what that allows for is one, you're never gonna get set screw divots, yep. uh, which I'm sure many guys are used to getting. It also has, like I mentioned, a huge amount of bearing surface in there. So this screw literally just needs to be snug like two to four inch pounds yeah four inch pounds probably max (laughs) Uh, doesn't need a lot doesn't need a lot and as you're zeroing the screw is facing you and it's only one screw so you don't have to fiddle around trying to find the screw holes of the other set screws you know so and then it's 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 always stays retained too right yes you cannot screw it out can't screw it out can't screw it up Hey, well, there you go. You should be in yeah. marketing. That's, yeah, well, it's almost like there's somebody marketing. out there that can screw it up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> so, and then, and because of all this, and like you said, you, you don't have, I guess, the the cap, you know, necessarily mm-hmm. on top. Let's talk a little bit about how you set the zero stop, mm-hmm. and also how you, you know, adjust or sight it in. Sure. You know, you know, uh, get your zero. Yeah. So it's it's pretty much the same as the Gen Two. So you just leave the turret on zero. 
loosen your set screw. You don't have to take the cap off any longer. And now the zeroing mechanism is finger adjustable instead of having to use that flathead screwdriver or mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and when you once you get zeroed, you still got the infinite adjustability. So there's no clicks when you're zeroing. But that allows you to get in between tenth in mil be adjustments, you mm -hmm. could have a like can, perfectly precise zero. Yep, exactly. Which is the beauty of that locking collar. And th so many people love that on the Gen Two Razor that that was a must keep mm -hmm. for yeah. the Gen Threes. And so having that having that locking collar eliminates the removable caps that people would lose all the time. How many thousands of replacement caps do we send? Mm -hmm. It's so easy to set them down and forget yeah. about it or have them blow away in the wind or whatever. So that's not a problem anymore. It's also sealed, better sealed to the environment now, which is really nice. If you're zeroing in the rain, you're not taking your cap off, uh, which is nice. Not yep. that not that, that was much of a problem in the past, but no. you never know. Yeah, Never good to have water pooled up inside. Yeah, right. Though, so. <laughs> yeah. right. But yeah. Now, I know we kind of glossed over this, and I'm going to spend about as much time on it as often as it gets used. Um, the illumination is still here, and it's uh, locking still. Uh, yep. Pretty much the same setup as the Gen 2. Yep. Now, the illumination, the reticle illumination itself mm -hmm. is it's special. Yeah. Yep. So, before the Gen 2s were just, we illuminated the full tree. Right. But on the 636 here, we're illuminating just the vertical and horizontal main stadia. Mm -hmm. And I found that on 6X, to use this for like hunting purposes, mm -hmm. um, when you kind of want to dial the magnification back to get that nice wide field of view, it's been really nice in low light conditions to bump that illumination on and you get that contrast with your environment, but it's not your whole tree anymore. Yep. It's just a really nice vertical and horizontal stadia that gives you a really good aiming point, even at low magnification. Yeah. Same thing on the 4.5 to 22 LHT. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, we've we've gotten really good feedback on just illuminating that that crossplex versus the whole the whole yeah. tree for sure. I mean, I'm like in love with that design on on the LHT, and obviously, you know, it, it kind of shares that same design feature here. But a first focal plane scope, you know, like now now I'm talking about the LHT, which is one of my favorite scopes. But you know, it's a four <laughs> and a half to twenty two first focal plane, mm -hmm. right? And like you said, you get down on the low end, that reticle does you know appear to shrink, right? Yep. And having that illumination just brings it into sharp view, so you can use it, you know, at those, you know, you know, closer to intermediate ranges, yeah. you know, or make a make make a quick shot in the timber if you have to, or mm -hmm. something like that. It's really the only time I've used illumination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. I just haven't had a need yeah. for it before, but now I'm like, oh, I love the scope. I love that it's first focal plane. I love this. I love that. Mm -hmm. But on the, you know, and you know, I think a person might have encounter a similar similar scenario with this guy here. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. Within that reticle, it's the new EBR7D, right? So EBR7D, first focal plane, like we talked about a little bit before. What would be, if, if a person, I think you'd have to be familiar mm -hmm. with the EBR7C to, to maybe, <laughs> you know, be like, oh, I know what those guys are talking about with the differences, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But what, what are some of the differences there? Yeah, so the we got feedback on the 7C that the, the heavier bars on the windage line were kind of coming down too far into the holdover area. Mm -hmm. um, so we shortened those up. Uh, those are the full mill stadium marks. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the major thing besides the illumination. Okay. Yeah, because the 7C still had uh, two tenths on the vertical and horizontal, right? Oh, yeah. Or is that the I don't know. It only had, yeah. So we added two tenths on the on the vertical, and that's the other difference. Gotcha. Okay. For, for the drop. Yep. It's like It's like not... 
in the grand scale of things, like not giant monumental changes, but like just important subtle yeah. changes that are going to improve that yeah, user experience. Yeah, it's not radically different, just yeah. re refinements over the, yeah. the 7C yeah. versus, yep. you know, based on feedback that we got. Yeah, and I think that's a testament. You guys are on the right track. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, I think now, so. Like, oh, I back to the drawing board. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I think probably one of the things, one of the most important things that, that people want to hear about, even though we they know we're going to be a little biased on this, is the overall optical quality. I can yeah. tell you this scope is a true alpha scope. Like it's competing with everything out there right now. Since we have the one to 10 and that's, I don't know which one I would pick as the most impressive optical design because one power variables are really tricky and I'd probably still give it to the one to 10, but this one's not far behind as the best optical designs we've done. To hear Scott say, Scott, you are the you are the pickiest person I know. <laughs> I say that with love. It, it's, it, I think it's a, it's a it's an important quality of yours. It can be an annoying quality of yours, but it's very important. And and I th I think we don't appreciate it at times as much as we should. So just hearing you say that, and I and and I know Scott, you kind of said like, yeah, we sit in our vortex vortex chair here, right? But I know you would not say that unless you truly <laughs> believed it. So you can, uh, I think listeners most, out there, you can take that to heart. I think most people that know me would believe what I just said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's not kidding though. I think that the earlier iterations of the optical designs that we went through, if we had released them, probably would have been fine. But in part due to the pickiness of Scott, we really pushed the envelope <laughs> and made something that made even the pickiest man. Happy as a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. So I I'm really proud of what we've done on it's on a, this one as a complete package. So it's really impressive. I mean, like one of my examples that I can say that just made me fall in love with this thing was um, you know shooting in our 22 league. Yeah. And messing around with 22s and the fact that you know we shoot we'll shoot in in our 100 yard indoor range here at Vortex and I couldn't believe that I could actually use the parallax knob. As a BDC dial, not as a as a range <laughs> as a range finder. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the focus comes in so sharp that you know that's where it's focused. You you look at the parallax knob and it's sitting right on the distance that, that target's at. Mm -hmm. I've never had that happen to me in my life. So, <laughs> and it's and you know that's kind of an internal joke with the whole BDC parallax knob yes. thing. So, right. <laughs> okay. Well, and the other the other thing too, I think that's. Um, excellent on this optical design is the depth of field at the longer sure. distances. Yeah, sure. So what's been really cool, I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've heard, you know, enough people say it that I, I got to think it's true is just the improved ability to spot trace um, when people are shooting at, uh, at matches or just at longer distances. Yeah. That's something that's really a, a nice advantage with this scope that you would see, I think you'd be able to do, have that happen occasionally, maybe with the four and a half to 27, but it's a lot more, um, a lot more prevalent with this one uh, because of the optical design. So it's a mu it's a longer objective optic uh, focal length. So it's a it's a little bit slower of an optical design compared to the four and a half to twenty seven. And so I think that that helps to aid in that a little bit. So mm -hmm. and a little bit and the wider field of view helps too with mm -hmm. that for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you say slower slower optical design, what do you mean by that? It just means that the light the light rays don't have to bend as sharply to um, as as it enters into the scope to go to the the first focal plane and then the rest of the um, uh, the rest of the optical design in the scope. So that that's what I mean. The light is bent more gently. So it's kinda still going the same speed. Fast and slow is like a optics 
Yeah, yeah. we're not uh, changing the laws of physics here and, and, <laughs> and adjusting the speed of light as it goes through the scope. Yet. Yet. Yeah, that's probably a few <laughs> years out. Maybe another 10, let's say. Yep. So I can tell you the 1 to 10 is pretty close to changing the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, a rule breaker. So you've been using it on like some indoor stuff. Have you guys mm-hmm. been uh, sending some uh, sending it long range with this thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, we, when was the first time we used these? Yeah. It's been a while ago. <laughs> well, the, in, in like at least pre-production form of this optical design. Yeah, it was, it was about a year ago. About a year ago, year. yeah. Mm-hmm. At least a year. Yeah, yeah, and then then we had to go through some some more subtle refinements, but the base optical design was was kind of nailed down about then. So we've got a decent amount of range time, yeah. um, in on this. So mm-hmm. with the and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, and again, like so to my just because I find I do find this part impressive. So to my understanding, generally, kind of like um, all things being equal, as you go up in magnification. You generally get less travel, yes. That's generally the rule of thumb, yes. Okay, so you did defy the laws of physics with this one. We just bent went the rules of we engineering. Bent them and then came back <laughs> yeah. to it. Okay, yep. yeah. That's, I mean, you know, we tricked them. Like, yes. well, so, we, so we had to change <laughs> other things in the scope to allow us to do that. If Think, we would, if things we, that shall not be named. Well, it, it just, I mean, if you just the in. The internal mechanics the in, and the optical design. I mean, all those things. The optomechanical design is is something that's intimately connected, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you have to have both those things taken into consideration as you're doing the product design. Otherwise, you're going to have things happen, like you're going to have the image vignette, or you're going to have, you know, just really poor optical quality, but and really great travel or something, as an example. So you can't just add better glass. No, you can't just sprinkle ED. <laughs> the dust ed dust on it and then get plus 50 to, to light transmission um it unfortunately does not work that way <laughs> so yeah i mean we we redesigned the a, a lot of the a lot of the scope i mean the optical design the mechanical design is a lot of it we took best practices i think that we were able to leverage from the gen 2 but a lot of stuff is is redesigned i mean there are elements of these turrets mm-hmm. that were taken from things that we knew worked well in the gen Absolutely. 2 but yep. a lot of that a lot of what was there with the gen 2 turrets had to, the l-tech turrets had to be kind of thrown out and redesigned for the l-tech plus same thing with the optical design same thing with the other internal mechanical components so wow that's so cool man who do you guys see like who is the scope for i mean it's definitely designed around like prs competition or military use Okay. Sniper use. Gotcha. For sure. But I I can tell you by how many 4F27s we sold and knowing how much we've sold to the military and how much how many competition shooters are out there, there's obviously other people buying them also. Right. Yep. So um I think you know, I think people just appreciate having a good piece of glass in their rifle and it's so it's really just for everybody. Everybody, everybody like, wants it. Everybody yeah. likes a good piece of glass, Scott. It's a long range rifle scope. I don't yep. think yeah. you're going to see three gunners running around with this thing. All right. Um, but I mean, if you're interested in shooting long range or shooting close range with 22s at really small targets, I think this will be a, a big hit with the NRL 22 community for sure, especially the people in NRL 22X who are pushing the limits. If you have a, a canted base and you're able to leverage the 36 mils of elevation, um, that'll get you out to 500 plus yards with a, a 22 which is pretty amazing mm-hmm. so um yeah it's for those people too i mean shout out to my 
community. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to us peeps out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and ELR. This will be a huge ELR scope. Okay. Yeah. With with the amount of travel it has, it'll definitely in the optical quality um, field of view. I mean, I yeah. I mean, for most people, does that much travel alleviate the need for a canted rail? For most people, yes. However, the optical design is such that you're not going to hurt anything by at least using a 20 MOA base. Okay. And just gain that gain that bore height back, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and have just a little more travel just in case. You know, that that's the other thing. The other big improvement with the 636 over the 4 27 is with the um, – and the 4 27 is no slouch in this area, but you could notice – a little bit of fall off in optical quality if you were at the very extremes of the adjustment range, mm-hmm. whereas you don't see it in this soap, you know. So, so for the ELR stuff and 22 stuff, it's it really shines. I mean, we've talked about it a million times, you know. We long range 1001, 1002, you know, we've done tons of long range stuff. We've been the long range 22 with you stuff, uh, mm-hmm. Seth, before, but it just seems like it is just continues to grow. In popularity, as as technologies evolve, as, as, as ammo gets more expensive, as ammo <laughs> gets more expensive, all yeah. these match directors keep making smaller targets further away. Scott, what are we supposed to do <laughs> besides have more expensive ammo and rifles and optics yeah. that can do? Those well, I mean, things, with the right? with but with twenty two growing, you know, I mean, oh yeah, with, oh, right, sure. with centerfire ammo being what it is yeah. and hard mm-hmm. to get, you know, yeah. I mean, twenty two is not necessarily easy to get, but it seems to be a little easier. But I mean, just you know where to look. Just <laughs> if you know where to look. And but across like all genres, like people just you know they want to test their limits and extend their effective range and perfect their craft. And it's just cool the, the, all the new stuff like the scope that keeps coming out. You know, but uh, you know the like the the Fury HD five thousand AB. You know, you got ballistics in in a range finding binocular. Like just all the stuff really is working together in, in a way that is. Uh, Man, I, I wouldn't have pictured it. You Talk know? about a match made in heaven. 15 the years Fury ago. Fury ABs and a 636. There's a lot of targets you could smack with <laughs> with that combination. Yep, person <laughs> do some serious work. What are, you, what are you guys most excited about with this scope? Finally releasing it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> honestly, I'm excited to go shoot some matches in public again. Yeah. I've been kind of having to like hold back because I don't want to change my rifles back because I don't want to give the scope up. But I also can't show it to everybody. Right. So I'm going to go shoot a whole bunch of 22 matches with people outside this building. <laughs> yeah. So I'm amped for that. But. Yeah. I, I'm happy that we've, <laughs> I'm most excited that we're able to ha- have something out in the public that's going to be really, like Scott mentioned, punching blow for blow with the, with the other Alpha class scopes that are out there. The 4 and after 22 is no slouch of a scope. 27. It's Sorry, four, four and a half to twenty-seven. Excuse me, four and a half to twenty-seven. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I brought it up originally, so it's my right. fault. Four and a half to twenty-seven Gen Two is an awesome scope, but it's—I uh, mean, it's—it's it's a optical design that's—that's that's what eight we years old. We started working on those in two thousand eleven. So okay, so ten, ten, on it, ten years old ish, yeah, give or take. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, the competitors aren't doing nothing, right? So um, it, it's—it's still a good optical design today, but this is. You know, I'd say head and shoulders above yeah. uh, where that four it's and a half to twenty-seven level. is, and so I think we're squarely back at the uh, you know top of the heap with uh, with the other other guys that are out there. So very cool. 
Yeah, and, and field of view-wise, we may be, there may be only one, maybe two companies that are matching the field of view on the scope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there's only one or two companies that have the similar travel um, with similar magnification. Mm-hmm. You know. But then the iBox is so forgiving, too. Yeah. And, like, yeah. the the heads-up display feel, you know, that you yeah. kind of get looking through the eyepiece. Like, turrets, it's 10-yard just, parallax. Man, mm-hmm. as a complete package, there are just so many things. I mean, 6 to 36x magnification. Mm-hmm. I can see bullet holes in my bullet holes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know? and, and, well, and I guess there's kind of one other thing that we didn't touch on that I'm sure some people are wondering about is, you know, what's it like to look through this scope? What What's the the presentation I get? And if you've if you've used a, a Razer 1 to 6 or a Razer 1 to 10, I can tell you it's it's a very similar experience. You know, you look through and all you see is image. The scope just disappears. So it's, it's I honestly don't know that I can find anything I don't like about this scope right Unbelievable. Now. We've done it, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you want me to date stamp it right now, yeah. but... You are recording, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe my ears, Scott, honestly. Uh, no, that's cool, man. You know, and I think one, one, you know, we talked a lot about the turret and how it operates, but the ease of which, you know, getting your zero and set... Yeah. I yeah. mean, like you really don't have to get out from behind the rifle, yeah. you know, much at all. There's a reference mark on the top of the um, the top of the turret here for your for your zero dial, so it's it's all pretty straightforward, and mm-hmm. we really kind of simplified the the LTEC experience and turned it into the LTEC Plus experience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, how apropos. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, everything's captive, so you don't have to really worry about losing anything. So. Yeah, you know, and this is you know, like you said, the Gen Two is still going to be in the line. Still phenomenal optic. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. even when I looked through it, I'm like, oh, man, can you get better than this? Like, I love that thing, right? This is the Gen 3, 636, and it does carry, like, a higher price tag, too. So, like, yep. I don't want to diminish... I don't want to diminish the quality and what you get with the Gen 2 yeah. mm-hmm. right now with because, oh, you got to have the Gen 3 because that's it's like, well, no, but it does cost more, too. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Though it does cost more... Uh, as you're looking at this compared to the rest of the competitive landscape, I think I think we've still done a pretty good job at providing good value to the customer. So yes, it's still more expensive than the four and a half to twenty seven, but it's going to be less expensive than other yeah. scopes at the Alpha, you know, class that are out there right now and perform, I would say, comparably. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think what's what's street price on this thing going to be? Twenty nine ninety nine. Twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Like, give or take, you know. You know, with. Uh, Obviously, something that went into that price also was everything's more expensive right now, you know. So mm-hmm. the, all this aluminum, the glass, everything on here is more expensive now mm-hmm. um, as the everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, the whole supply chain situation and global supply chains had an impact on things, which has been a real treat to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but we got it done. But anyway. we got it done. We got yeah. it done. But um, yeah, against all odds. But I think I mean you guys. I think have also worked hard to not make the customer absorb all that cost as well so which i think is cool so yeah we definitely had a price point we wanted to stay at or mm -hmm. you know or stay below Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. but yeah as far as i know dealers are stocked up with them and they're ready to be bought man just like like you alluded to or talked about earlier scott just the popularity of the gen twos like i i you know i would expect the same thing 
with this guy. Please direct any back order questions to Scott Parks. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer that right now because I already saw the back order report. <laughs> but did we miss anything with this? That's probably one of the smallest, most subtle, but important to me features. Well, please. On the eyepiece. Um, it's yeah. a fast focus eyepiece. So it's it's really rapidly adjustable. So mm-hmm. you can set the diopter to your eye. But sometimes that'll get bumped in a match or whatever. And it's nice to, never before have we had a reference mark on there. So when you set the diopter to your eye, there's some reference lines that you might be able to see in there so you can tell exactly where you've set your diopter so you can tell that it's been adjusted. And so if I hand the rifle to Scott, he's going to set the diopter for his eye, and now I know that I just need to go back to five hashes and set the diopter right back for me. That's easy. A lot of people will run like a piece of tape up over this on the, the Gen 2s so it doesn't get bumped or whatever. But now we have a real quick reference so that you don't you can tell if it's been bumped at all. So it's a very little feature, but it's in there, and I like it. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those small details, though, that, yeah. again, it just, like, adds to that user. Yeah. You know, now you don't have to do other things or, you know, be like, well, where was that? Or, be you know, you can just look and, and yep, see. Yep, there so. it is. I think... We keep kind of this talking the about the most and cool thing. Oh, right that is here. also super cool. Okay, hold that up. Scott. Yeah, go ahead. What he got there? It comes in the box. This is this is this is part of the unboxing video that we started. This is the tool that comes that comes with it, and we actually put a metal insert in here for the illumination knob and for zeroing. If you wanted to use it to zero, if you don't want to use your fingers, but I have yet to break one of these, so I love these things. <laughs> there you go. Another first. I was gonna say once again, yeah. we've, we've done it, everybody. Scott. Yeah. So single single tool for adjusting your um your zero screw and then you can use the flat on that for the illumination uh cap and then also for your dials <laughs> your zero dials if you want to so it's just a single tool for for yeah. everything there hat shark fin yeah yep. and switch view comes with it yep yes. switch yeah and yeah we're including sunshade. a switch view in the in the box now yep. so. and sunshade of course All right battery and a lens cloth yep all the standard goodies <laughs> yeah it is it's pretty amazing how quickly you can zero this optic from behind the rifle. The the LTEC system is great, and I think a lot of the features that it allowed were excellent. I think the infinite adjustability is awesome. The the locking and zero stop and the rev indicator are all great features that we've come to know and love. But adjusting those three set screws when they're facing off to the sides and there's one on the other side, especially in the windage, mm-hmm. not having to get behind that right next to your scope rings and down in your action and everything else to have the single set screw just be able to get behind the gun leave the turret at zero take a shot loosen the set screw make your adjustment <laughs> tighten the set screw and you're done and you do all of that from behind the rifle mm-hmm. right it's amazing I, and i remember that was actually a great call out that scott had on this one of the many was i think in one of the close Close to the last iteration yeah. of the turret design, we had the single set screw. That was something that we were working on kind of from the onset as a design goal. But I think it ended up being maybe at the top or somewhere yeah. where it wasn't maybe quite in an ideal position. And Scott's like, hey, what if we did these things? You know, what what would it take for us to move this so that we can get to it without, you know, really having to move from behind the rifle? And like, hey, that's a really great call out, which... Which we were able to do because I think we went through so many iterations of this thing. <laughs> yep. And uh, had looked at it so many times, it was kind of cool. We got the core of it really dialed in. You know, like we had been talking about, we were in this um, kind of 
final design phase for quite a while while we were doing a lot of internal testing. So that was one of the things that kind of came out of that along with some other, other mechanical refinements that we were able to make to get to the product that we have in front of us today. So. Yeah. Well, and some of those finer things, well, it's like kind of like a fine thing, but kind of like a major thing at the same time. It's like, oh, can we put the door over here? But <laughs> those are the things that you find when you really start using it. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. it's actually perfect, but we just it just needs to be here instead of, yep. you know, so that once I'm, you've lived in the house for a bit. Yeah, man, I really wish that toilet needs. paper holder wasn't banging into my knee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But man, it's cool. I mean, great work, guys. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, I've been behind it, you know, a little bit, not as much as you guys, but just, you know, setting the turret and everything is just, I mean, it really is 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 a masterpiece. So good job yeah <laughs> well it's thank you but it's definitely not just us three right, right? oh yeah no, right. i mean we have no, a no, team no, no, of no. over 20 engineers i think over 20 now mm-hmm. that you know contribute in all ways so it's you guys were just the three willing to come on the podcast <laughs> so yes. yeah uh, thank thank you for that as well but yeah and, and yeah hopefully you guys when i when i say that i mean i do i do actually say it like I think we oftentimes, all of us, think very collectively, mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. know, yep. of the entire Vortex team here. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool stuff, man. And I think, you know, just the highlights, the optical system, the turret, the, the everything about it is just, it's top-notch. And it, for a person, I, I think, too, it's like almost like seeing is believing. Like, yeah. if you're into this, get yourself in front of one, look through it, look through it in real-world conditions, mm-hmm. you know, run it a little bit. And uh, I think you'll hopefully be as impressed as we are. Going back to your question, you know, what are you most excited about? Well, I'm hopefully going to be most excited about the feedback we get. Yeah. Uh, to be Darn honest right. with you, that we've that we've provided the value that we've set out to provide our customer. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I really think we've done that. But you know, we'll just see how it goes. But <laughs> yeah, we always like getting feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, it helps us make better products. So. I only ask for good feedback. Oh, really? Well, but for as good as the Gen 2 was, right? Like, hey, it would be kind of nice if I didn't accidentally lose my cap, even though you guys took care of me by sending me a new one for free because Vortex is rad. Yep. Like, okay, well, we could design this new system to not to be totally capped in, and now you don't lose any caps anymore. So just a mild inconvenience, even though it was slight negative feedback, was good to hear because mm-hmm. then we could design it out of the next generation, and then you have a whole generation of people who's never even going to know that was a problem. <laughs> so As is I don't the know. way of things. Yeah. It is. And at the same time, make it finger adjustable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. so now you have one tool. We should put. We should like see if we can uh, do like a chronology of all of the design iterations that we had, and that that would be a fun thing to like. <laughs> don't have a, have a beer or a cocktail I, and, and like <laughs> reminisce over. I see Seth. Over, I, I don't. I don't know if he wants to relive that. Yeah. There, uh, we could do Maybe an archaeological those things out now. Yeah. I don't know. We could do an archaeological dig at my desk, and yeah. the excavation I think would reveal a long history of. It'd be a lot easier to find on your desk <laughs> than mine. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm gonna stay out of the desk comments. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, I think I think we covered it. I mean, like like I said before, seeing is believing. You know, don't don't take it from us. Yeah. Well, take yeah, take all the information we said because I consider it to be true and accurate. <laughs> but go and see for yourself. Go yeah. check one of these things out. If you're into long range precision, anything. I think it'll yeah. suit your needs. I think so. We're going to have a lot of happy customers. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Scott, I, I like to, yeah. I mean, I don't want to count my eggs or chickens or however that goes, but I think I think we're in a good good spot for sure. Cool, man. Awesome. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have any more questions about the Razer HD Gen 3 6 to 36 by 56 let us know in the comments. Give us a shout on any of our social platforms. Give us a call here at Vortex if you have any additional questions. Send all back order inquiries to Scott, apparently. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you guys. guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.